Bum, 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 bum. All right. All right. Well, okay. Talking to your microphones. Introduce yourselves today. We're going to bring you the roaring hits brought to you locally by yours truly, Alex Marchuski. Take it away whenever you're ready, sir. Welcome back. Ladies and Germans, we're right back at it again at the March and Mitch show. This is the March and Mitch show. We're podcasting it live, coming at you from a sleepy suburb, <laughs> hidden somewhere in a county south of Portland. We're excited to be right back at it again with you guys, talking about all your favorite subjects in a world immersed in chaos, led by a president who looks kind of like a Cheeto. Cheetos. We're hungry for answers. As much as I do enjoy Cheetos, I, I would love to know where my free money's at. Things have definitely been strange, but it's like Hot Mulligan would say, things can always get bad, but things can also be different. We're here today with the master of disaster. He's the Fabio on audio. He's on the ones and twos today. Let's give it up for Mitchell Herring. He's the Bam Margera to my Johnny Knoxville. Let's give it up for Mitchell. Woohoo! Wow. I wasn't ready for that. Hey, it's all good, man. We're having fun. We're chilling. What a dynamic duo, Johnny Knoxville and Bam Margera. Literally, dude. Those guys gotcha. did so many good things. Well, I mean, good things and bad things, but Seriously. they did lots of things and they made money. So, I mean, that's really what we're all here for on this planet. Cause yeah. <laughs> hey, man, if you're trying to do more good things than bad things on your way to the afterlife, I'm all for that, man. That's what I live by. Do more good shit with your life than bad stuff. And a good thing to do today is to keep the ball rolling as far as, you know, addressing who is involved here today. I myself am a guy age 27, will be 28 next month. I like loud music, punk rock, cheap beer, <laughs> and I definitely, definitely, definitely like music topics relevant to my own interests and engaging conversations. My name is Alexander Marchewski by way of Clark County, Nevada. And a special announcement today. We got the first... I'm also here, by the way. The first, and not last, I the first ever <laughs> non-binary champion of the fucking Pokemon League. Let's give it up for Celine. <laughs> Woo! Go Celine! Pokemon champion. That's right. That did. We happen. cleared Pokemon Shield. I'm I'm the newest champion in the gallery region. What are you true. gonna do? I don't. I don't know. What am I get? What you am I gonna do can't next? Do anything right now? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Disney Disneyland is canceled. Disney, Dang it! Disneyland is canceled. Can we, can we get Disneyland's manager on the phone? Yeah. Well, I mean, you. I mean, you could probably try. <laughs> that we 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 really we really need to get the Disneyland. I mean, anyways, if you know Disneyland's uh, manager, uh, you know, have him give us a call. Having that championship ring must be really cool. What was your short version on a review of that game? Did you really enjoy it? What were your favorite Pokemon to play with? Ooh. Ooh. Because I love me. I've played every single main series game except this one because I can't find a Switch to save my life. Yeah. Got, I, they, I loved they, it. They got 11 new bruh, gray Switch, 19 new gray Switch lights at Target today. I know this because I know a guy. He'll get you a good He deal. knows a guy. He knows a guy. They're gray. Inside scoop. Inside scoop. Target. Hey. Yeah. Switch light. That's what's Sponsor up. Sponsor us, please. Sponsor us. That's what's up, man. I need a Nintendo Switch like Courtney Love needs a facelift, man. Seriously, the game looks fun. It was entertaining. I feel like I'm in in grade school just trying to be like, hey, hey, hey while, while you're like doing computer work, can I just play for like 20 minutes? Because yeah. like, I freaking love me some Pokemon. I used to play the meta game for Pokemon X and Y. Uh, Pokemon Sun and Moon I thought was really cool. So the fact that like, you know, to look back at 1998 till now and this game series is still like, 
It's freaking bigger than Power Rangers, for sake. It's been out since 1998. Seriously? The original one? Yeah, red and blue. Yeah, Damn, like, it can drink now. Yo! Right. <laughs> you be all right with that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, no I'm Gucci. Okay. So not only can you be smoking it up with Raichu, you can also be having a 40-ounce with your Pikachu and your Bulbasaur yeah. and your Charizard. Congratulations, Celine, on your championship. Getting the thing headed up, spearheaded. I hope you want to turn the volume up to 11, crank out the jams, kick out the beats. We're going to talk about the artist of the week. <laughs> Seriously, I don't think it'll ever get old. I love hearing the um, the impromptu sounds brought to you by the lack of engineering on production side. So thanks for picking up the slack for me, Alex. <laughs> Gotcha, gotcha. Hey, insert sound effect here. Go. <laughs> Did you guys ever watch that show, uh, Whose Line Is It Anyway? I remember religiously. There was a, a skit that they did or a, a game that they did on that where they would have audience members come up and do sound effects and yeah. then the actors would do the, the acting it out. Yep. But in light of whatever the bad sound effects were. <laughs> and I have to say, like, I, I thought of that show because you're having to do your own sound effects, but you're definitely way better than most of the people on that show definitely. at sound effects. True, true story. Got a talent. It comes with my quirk. Selena <laughs> Mitchell, I'm very flattered. Thank, thank you, both of you. And I really appreciate that. Oh, my goodness. I, I would dabble in, in, I don't know. And, like, it was never really, I just like performing. I was never, like, I was never trying to garner attention. It was never a cry for, for anything. It was just, like, I just like performing. Right. It's something I'm passionate about. Where Alex just uh, performed and I did the opposite and I just wallowed in isolation and cried for help. Hey, man, you can't just get any average schmuck to produce an <laughs> entire podcast, especially the one we're operating I mean, at. you could. I mean, I, I haven't seen it done, but I definitely believe there are people out there more capable than I. So, I mean, if the, I mean, there are people out there. I Listen, just don't man. know who they are. If you have to, I would always say if you, it takes, you got to crack a few eggs to make an omelet. In this case, Mitchell not only cracked a few eggs, he went into the chicken coop, picked <laughs> up the chicken, like gave it a big hug, and just all the eggs just are in our basket right now. Yeah, that is literally what's up, and it's time to make a musical omelet this week with early eyes, a, a colorful, jazzy indie rock trippy quintet. From Minneapolis, this gang met at college. Minneapolis. Minneapolis. Oh. Minneapolis, yes. Go ahead. And they, uh, their music to me is reminiscent of groups like Fits and the Tantrums. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe even a little bit of Foxy Shazam, bits of Maroon Foxy 5. Foxy Shazam. And I, mean, I can see some Maroon 5, yeah. Yes, yes. They've got some really warm bass, beautiful, beautiful tenored guitars, and some colorful vocals. Early Eyes uh, had their debut in Minneapolis uh, not too long ago, and they've had several releases. Uh, we had heard about the band, actually, because we were going to see our boy Joe do his headliner tour before all the craziness happened, and we were so excited to catch uh, not only Nothing Nowhere, but uh, Danger Incorporated and Early Eyes uh, perform. We started getting into their music to kind of do our homework before the tour, and then, you know, next thing you know, it's a positive takeaway because now we get new music to enjoy anyway. That's the beauty of music, you know. Maybe you can't go go out or maybe you can't be somewhere, but, you know, when, you know, your friends go home and, you know, the lights go out, hey, you always got your music with you as long as you pay your electricity bill. Yes. Yeah. And um, we have some more facts on Early Eyes. What's uh, what, would, what can you share with us, uh, our friend uh, Celine? Uh, well, I so I saw the video that y'all showed me of Early Eyes the other day, and I just absolutely adored it. And one thing that I thought was really cool is that there's a, definitely a uh, gender questioning 
you know, not even an undertone, but definitely an overtone. It, it clearly lays over the uh, the lyrics of the song, and the video certainly reflects it. Right. But I think yeah, it's really okay. cool because the lead singer right. is is non-binary, um, does use they them pronouns, and so I think it's really interesting seeing somebody so courageously discussing the questions that they've had about their gender identity and showing that not only through their music, but also on screen. So I think that's that's really neat. And I'm excited to see there be a, a band that's being frontlined by a openly non-binary person. Mm-hmm. It is it is not only brave, it is profound. And to me, honestly, astounding as as, you know, being in this community. How, how inspiring is that? What is this? What does that feel like in your heart? I mean, it feels great to me. Yeah, it's I think that it's really amazing seeing somebody First of all, because, you know, I I almost don't want to highlight too much the fact that the lead singer is non-binary because I think that one thing that they do that makes my heart feel good is that they go out and, you know, they touch on their gender experience when they're asked about it. Mm-hmm. But and while there are songs about it, that's not necessarily a central focus. This this person is just saying, hey, this is my experience of the world. And, and this gang, they are amazing musicians. Like mm-hmm. They were definitely, I, I can't quote myself, but I'm pretty sure, you know, if they're in the Twin Cities, they're probably they're probably studying. Then they're all in the music program. They got to be. All right. Because they're playing some great four to the four beats. Some of these bass tones I've heard. And then just on top of that, really, really jazzy guitar. But, you know, it's got the pop sensibility of a band like like uh, uh, Fits in the Tantrums or like a Maroon 5. And, and, you know, it's just it makes me happy to see that guitar bands still happen. There are new guitar bands. Seriously, get your punk rock friends, go to a garage, buy a Fender guitar, do all the things. Do, do, do the things. Oh, do the thing. Keep the music. Keep, keep the music alive. Hey, any any way to express yourself. It's funny how we would talk about balancing between artists that are in this sad rap genre, artists that kind of traverse both, and then, you know, almost firing back and forth, kind of like, you know, a volleyball team going against like a, a slightly different volleyball team. And at the end of the day, we're all synonymous in that we're all playing because we love music and we're passionate about the game, despite, you know, who's winning or losing. It is cool to see things Concerts are such a big part of my life and per- being a performer myself has always been a big part of my life. Um, let's, t- let's talk about performances as a gang. Mitchell, can you, can you remember the last time you public, public performance of any, any, anything? No, you've, you've never, <laughs> you know, you've never played in a local band. You've never skated mm. a heat in a local competition. Nope. You've never DJed at a party. Nope. Dang. Yeah. Okay. yeah a thousand percent introvert. Get, me in the back catch me in the back talking to your cat how about that you only see him in the back <laughs> wearing all black and talking to a cat yep yeah, most definitely. definitely we yeah. we know that our friend celine here um performed in debate which in a lot of ways is a oh yeah mm-hmm. it takes talent it takes talent uh, yeah i was gonna ask if that counts that's definitely the closest i've come to doing performances yeah what about karaoke though uh the only time i've ever done karaoke i sang ah. <laughs> Uh, I think it was three times in my life. Once was for I was auditioning to be a KJ, and I sung. I could see you as a KJ. I didn't. Spoiler: I didn't get the job. How Uh, how recent was this? Oh, this was like a long time. It was like when I first moved back from Washington, so it was like five years ago. Long, long time. Yeah. Uh, But I sang the Humpty Dance. I'd never done karaoke before, and I chose a uh, funky baseline rap song by um, God. What's the name? The Humpty Dance by. Come on, you guys don't know the Humpty Dance, really? Uh-huh. What hop is Tom? No, nope. <laughs> the Humpty Dance. Cha cha, real smooth, y'all. It's like 
like nineties. What? Uh, Humpty Dance. Uh, digital Underground. By D- Digital Underground, right? I'm super not familiar with this. Uh, if you hear, <laughs> good lord. Um, Do we yeah. have a snippet? Do we have a snippet for maybe maybe some of us that that weren't on the hip hop vibe, or maybe maybe the younger the younger listeners. <laughs> It's it's possible. Um, I don't I don't think if you really. I mean, I would I would. You. It's been on the radio. You've heard it. I'm sure if the hook blasted me in the face. Yeah. Anything? Oh my. Okay. I got I got one synapse in my brain was like, hey, wait a minute. This guy, super corny, super weird. But it's got a fat bass line. But you can't hear it here. Anyways, that that's the Humpty Dance. So that would be me in front of uh, my potential employer singing that song. Uh, did not get the job. And then I, from there on, uh, decided that that would be my karaoke song. And I sang it two more times. Ayo, <laughs> this is true. You heard it here first. Yeah, there was one time uh, I was really drunk at karaoke and I tried to sing uh, Eminem's Just Lose It. And, um, Yo, yeah, yeah. It's a bold choice. it really was. Uh, but I knew I had a ringer because while I cannot rap, uh, even remotely, uh, I do have the ability to go. So I figured, you know, forget the lyrics, hit that part. Golden. Hey, Mitchell, what's that one Eminem song where he's like, ah, <laughs> Oh, you mean every Eminem song? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just lose it. So, yeah, that's about as public as I'll get. Don't look at me like that. This is this is freaking. This is a gold mine. I just, oh my gosh, why? Well, I, I wish I wish I could have partaken in being in being part of the viewership for that. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, entertainment, folks. It really is a big facet of your lives, whether you realize it or not. To have a act like early eyes, also champion. Um, Positivity and beliefs and assessing gender identity while as, while as well just, you know, being champions of just great musicianship, songwriting. The first time I heard Marigolds, I think I was actually just at the apartment. And then um, when I heard the beat kick in, I'm like, I want to shake my ass right now. Let's yeah. do it. You know, we, That's, it, it. That was what I was going to say is I hate dancing usually. So I, <laughs> I know that something's a banger if I'm like, I have to get up and dance to this right now. Uh, Literally. Yes. Yes. So, so are we going to play this song or not? Like, what's going on here? First up, let's give it up for Early Eyes. And this is the song of the week with the artist of the week. This is <laughs> Marigolds by Early Eyes. Hit it, Mitchell. We're still alive. Hold on. I didn't hit it yet once. By your footsteps in those shoes. Someday I'll find the time to see you, Marigolds. Check out Early Eyes. Fingers crossed they come back on tour with our friend 
Joe from Nothing Nowhere, as well as those two cool Danger Boys and Danger Incorporated. Also check out their song, I'm Enough, which is the favorite of my co-host here, Celine Santos. Check out the video too. The video really drives it home. You got to drive it home sometimes. That's the power play right there here on the March Mitch show featuring our friend Celine, a short story about events and concerts before we, we come up with the, the, you know, the, the past, the passing play for the next, you know, play action, uh, go to shows people seriously buy all the merchandise go to shows buy the drinks one of my favorite people i uh <laughs> buy all the things we woke up we woke up uh the last show i saw before covid happened was with uh, a bunch of artists we really like as a collective one of them which was garden who we've mentioned on the show mm-hmm. um we woke up at a McMenamin's, viciously hung over and uh the portland show was over and the next woke show up in the McMenamin's. yeah <laughs> if only <laughs> What are you guys doing here? But anyways, put some aprons on. We could use some help. Yes. <laughs> All right, you dishes. You grab a menu. Let's go. He looks like a server. He can learn the menu. <laughs> yeah. How many years experience do you have? How do you know how many? Five. Get out of here. Oh, my there freaking go. good. We woke up in the McMinimins. Put, put an apron on. Let's go. Broken glass everywhere. I'm wearing a zebra costume. <laughs> Oh my goodness, what a crazy weekend in Portland. Sorry to derail you, but so anyways, McMinimins. This is a regular Tuesday for me. Yeah. But, but anyways, um, we, 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 we were viciously hung over the McMinimins, and we're just talking about how the post-concert depression, and just, we had such a good time at that show. Yeah. From meeting the artists, seeing the crowd react, singing our asses off to our favorite songs. And, you know, I just remember... This is, and this is before, you know, the news broke and, you know, everything shut down and we weren't, uh, you know, allowed to go do stuff, you know, all for, you back know. Back when stuff was a thing. Back when places used to happen. And I just remember being like, I can't go to the Seattle show. We can't just leave on a whim and go get a hotel in Seattle. I got to go to work the next day. I I sit in silence sometimes late at night and I wish like, Alex, if you, I wish I could go back in time and be like, it might be the last show you guys ever see you should like go to seattle but no go do it no you Not can't ever. with a grain with a grain of of pessimism yes you yes. can't live life like that I mean, no 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 but i i agree with alex's thesis of Go to shows. There doesn't they're, need to be that much money. They're not finality. that expensive in the grand yes. scheme of things. The amount of money you'll spend on other worthless stuff in your lifetime why not take a little bit of that money and contribute it to some concert tickets? Because the experience is always memorable. Unpop- I have very few regrets in life other than missing concerts. Hmm. Unpopular opinion. I disagree. I disagree. Huh. Bum, bum, <laughs> You're allowed to have <laughs> Don't you dare. spicy opinions. Don't you dare say it. Spicy. Hey, you're allowed to have opinions. I mean, it's not your fault they're wrong. You can say lots with whatever vernacular. <laughs> it is your fault they're wrong, though. You like. I'm just saying that you know what? I didn't go to that many. I mean, when I was uh, really young, okay, like 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 middle school and like very early high school, we would go to like the Ike Box and stuff, and like we would. That's just, the Salem thing, right? Yeah, yeah. right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. it was just like local whatever music, and there were. I had some good times as a kid because there was nothing else to do here in Salem as a child. So killing a Saturday afternoon downtown free of rain, you know, wandering around and then catching some local band. There was actually some really cool local bands as, mm-hmm. as a youngin. But like as I got older, like the shows were like five bucks. I mean, originally the Ike Box was $2. Then capitalism started taking over. Then it was $3. Then capitalism became rampant in America. Then it was $5 and oh we had goodness. had it. We were we like no more Ike Box because like you know when you're uh, 
you know, in eighth grade, $5 is a lot of money and $2 is a, is not. So that's the pay grade. Hassled up by the capitalist <laughs> pile driver for people like me that didn't grow up here. Was it just a standalone like venue venue? It's still there today. And oh, it's, mm-hmm. it, 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 yeah, okay. it's, a, it's a coffee shop. It's a coffee shop. So slash. Oh, okay. They had a stage, like one of the only places mm-hmm. and, and they'll book pretty much anyone. Uh, it's for, a cool, cool company. Yeah. Yeah. Ikebox is cool. Nice, uh, nice. Okay. My friend Danny, uh, who, uh, is a friend of a friend, but he ran the studio called Marigold downstairs. Whoa, okay, nice. And, yeah, so they had a studio, Marigold. Danny's probably one of the most talented musicians I've ever met, and he's like Bigfoot. He's he just comes and goes, and you just see him occasionally. But yeah, he plays in a band called Symmetry. Symmetry. Those guys are crazy. That oh, different Danny then. Okay, okay, for sure. Oh yeah, yeah, Danny, okay. Danny. Uh, the one I'm thinking of, his last name is a firearm company. Uh, oh what, Danny? <laughs> uh, different fire. I, is his last name firearm? Danny Colt. My name's <laughs> Daniel Firearm, and I'm here. <laughs> no, no, no last, no last names, but like, yeah, yeah we sh- that's who we should Daniel do. Daniel Glockenspiel. We should do symmetry, symmetry <laughs> next week, cause I'll show you some of that later. There but, we go. Yeah, we we gotta get some local talent thrown in. Yeah, most of yeah, them. for sure. But uh, anyways, so but the, yeah, the no, name see, sounds I, familiar too. Good. I again though, I stand by Alex's thing because you got to go to all, to all those cool local shows. Growing up, but I wasn't got to just was you. You attended all those local shows. If there up, were which more I feel like, fun things to do, uh, we would have done those instead. I'm just saying. But see, I so my first concert I ever saw was Lincoln Park because that no, was the first band that that's sick. your first, your first I, concert or your first big concert because that was my first big no, concert my, too. My first concert ever, ever, yeah. ever. ever. Same Where was here. it at? Where was yeah, that? Uh, it was at Portland. Ooh, it was the mm, Cricket Theater, Cricket Pavilion in Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah. Whoa, um, okay. It was actually, so it was the Project Revolution tour oh, and I was man. 11. So this was my dad's birthday gift to me uh, for my 11th birthday, which was so cool. He got me concert tickets every year for my birthday for the next like th- four or five years, Yeah, which what? was some of my best memories as a kid. That's but, so uh, cool. But I got to see, so I saw Snoop Dogg, which at the time <laughs> I had no fucking idea how cool that was. I remember he started flipping off the crowd and I was just like, this seems rude, but I'm doing it. Yeah. And so I felt very cool because I was 11 and I was flipping off Snoop Dogg. And then, <laughs> uh, then Corn and Slipknot came on and that's kind of about the time where I like started begging my dad to just take me home. I was like, I want to see Lincoln Park. I want to go home. I don't like all this noise. And he's like, just listen, just, just stay. It's, it's part serious. of the experience. It's part yeah, of the experience. Yeah, yeah. No, I was, I was like, this is too noisy. I'm tired. I'm 11. I want to go home. And nope. my dad's like, okay, well, I also got these tickets partly for me, not just for you. So we're seeing at least a little bit of Lincoln Park and you can see how you feel. That's like the dad of the year right there. I know. Oh. And so he convinced me to stay. And of course, fucking sure enough, as soon as Lincoln Park comes out on stage, I'm just completely euphoric. Do we remember oh, what album was out in 2008? Was it Minutes uh, to Midnight? That would have been right after, it wasn't 2008. It was. Oh, my bad. I, yeah, no, I would have been, geez, like it would have been like 2004. Um, but it was right after Meteora. Oh, Meteora is, what was after Meteora? Meteora is God like my, damn. it was Minutes to Midnight, I believe. Those first three LP albums freaking mm-hmm. slap. Like they, yeah, like, they no, laid the foundation theory, for like yeah. fusion bands. Hybrid Theory and Meteora were my first two ever, ever albums that I knew back to cover. Absolutely just completely understood what music was about. So yeah, my, my take is concerts. I've never regretted going to a concert. I've always had a really good time and I've always been in, enjoying having those memories on standby having been having been a you know uh been been kind of you know just you know uh kind of recluded and pushed back a bit by events in the world you know we have all these experiences and these memories and whether you know you savor or revel in them or not be it physical or otherwise 
enjoy these things because I, I wish I could go back and do that thing differently or maybe go go spend a bit of extra money, go go drive mm-hmm. that to Seattle or I'm sure, you know, uh, I'm sure Mitchell wish he could have like seen his seen his buddy's band one more time at that venue or could have gotten drunk behind the venue and then pee behind a dumpster and then fought the other band for their beer money. Cause like, I'm sure that would have been just, you know, one man's there you go. (laughs) And while music may be a great medicine to a good majority of us, it's also important to take care of your health, uh, be it through internal means, uh, here today we have, uh, Celine once again, talking to you about a proposition on board. Uh, what do you got for us today? So last week, I promised our listeners something about space mushrooms, and we talked a lot about mushrooms, but we didn't talk about the space connection. So I'm going to go ahead and marry the original topic I came in with on my first episode of Elon Musk and weird space stuff with mushrooms, which is another great interest of mine. So I want to talk about space mushrooms, and not in the sense of space mushrooms, like they'll, they'll bring you to space. But one thing I wanted to talk about last week is what's why do we have mushrooms and fungus in the first place not necessarily just the psychedelic ones but i want to talk about just what how, how did they get here and they are they are grown naturally in the earth they are but they oh. also grow differently to any other living thing that we know about so fungus Ooh. it's not a plant because mm-hmm. it doesn't do photosynthesis or any of the other normal behaviors of plants its cell structure is completely different But it's also an animal for a lot of the same reasons. It doesn't do any of the other things that animals do, like uh, sexual reproduction or uh, seeking out food. I'm sorry, Bill Bill Nye, the science guy, did not teach me this. Um, What? Yeah, so so fungus is this weird thing where, you know, a lot of botanists are like, we don't know, this isn't, it's not a plant, it's not an animal. It doesn't abide by most of the rules of evolved life on Earth. And Uh so the, the the theory as to why we have mushrooms and fungus is it's called panspermia and so the idea here is basically that mushrooms and other fungi most likely came from some other planet either somewhere in our galaxy or potentially even beyond so basically every time you take mushrooms recreationally or medicinally or if you just really like mushrooms as a food group or if you like going hiking and be like hey look at that funky thing i shouldn't touch it most of those things are most likely Whoa. initially alien organisms. Yeah. Which is dope. Now you got me frightened. Oh my goodness. Aliens make me nervous. Yeah. And it's it's neat because mushroom spores are practically microscopic. And it turns out that they're one of the most hardy things that we have on Earth. Um, so they have hard enough shells to withstand and dense enough shells to withstand uh, zero gravity. So they can handle being in a vacuum what? and traveling for a long period of time. So they can just be carried throughout space on cosmic radiation. Um, and they also can reflect UV. So they're not going to be subject to like chemical or DNA changes as they travel Uncanny. because their shells just reflect UV. And we've found them in every atmospheric level of earth. So the theory that, Mushroom spores probably arrived on Earth as part of some type of uh, meteoric event. Seems extremely plausible. This is a trip. Okay, whoosh. So we're connecting the space to the space mushrooms now. So what you're telling me is maybe these mushrooms that exist on our planet Earth, these maybe might be a part of some kind of terraforming from 
literally just an alien species? That's totally a theory. That's so there, true. there is one theory that alien species, and and this one is is one that's not you know necessarily scientifically dis- supported, but it is really cool. Uh, so the theory is that there may be an alien species that essentially used the hardiness of fungus to uh, to start to terraform various different potentially life bearing planets. And that's scary. <laughs> and one theory, and this is kind of piggybacking off of of Terence McKenna's theory of the the stoned ape. There is one theory that psychedelic mushrooms were placed here by an alien species, basically to give us the tools to enlighten our minds, to be able to, you know, think outside the box enough to contact alien races. That's a little bit of a a sidebar theory. But the main theory here is that, uh, so Terrence McKenna, one of the the great researchers of psychedelics, um, had this theory of the stoned ape, which is basically that we, as monkeys, came out of the trees to, to hunt meat, but then meat tends to have flies and other bugs, and flies tend to eat dung. And most of these flies were then eating dung. Yeah, that, spontaneous generation. Okay. Yeah. So most of these flies were then eating dung of these animals that then grew mushrooms. And it turns out the bugs loved mushrooms. Oh. And so humans, because we were early humans, we started eating those bugs, which were like just completely fucking tripping balls. So we started eating these bugs that were tripping balls oh, and being like, we weren't tripping balls. We were just like, Interesting. That's a that's a fun little sensation. So we started eating these bugs full of psychedelics. And Terrence McKenna's theory is that this is the basis of of human civilization as we know it. Whoa. So his idea is basically like, first of all, a low dosage kind of heightens your perception. You can see, you can hear a little bit better. Excellent for hunting. Medium doses are going to be good for, first of all, collaboration. So you like empathize with people more and you're more willing to hear new ideas. Also, you want to fuck. So that's how we end up, first of all, with like a great population of, you know, hunters and gatherers, as well as a high population, literally, and <laughs> and a population that can do efficient, collaborative things like, you know, build the basis of society. And then his final part of that theory is high dosages then give you things like religion because you fucking trip balls. And, you know, if you look at the story of Moses coming down off the mountain with his tablets, that everybody's like, ah, I can't look at your face. It's too shiny. One of the theories is that everybody was tripping. Yo. So we've got this entire spectrum that Terrence McKenna basically postulates is how we got to be the humans that we know today based on these alien mushrooms that landed on our planet. That is, that is, that is unsettling. Yeah. Very informative. Also very, very, very makes me want to think, dang, this week on the Twilight Zone. It's definitely it's definitely kind of spooky, but interesting and cool. And all the points you brought up, even, you know, being not well-read on this subject or very bookish at all when it comes to psychedelic drugs, it's very believable, very believable. A mind-altering substance used in a larger demographic like that at that volume. Could you maybe sway people around? Could you maybe make people see shit that maybe ain't, you know, what your normal human eyes and mind would, would <laughs> process i mean i i definitely like i i yeah that's definitely something to make me want to like kind of think and it's, it's stimulating to the point where i'm gonna all check out you said it's terrence mckenna is the terrence author? mckenna yeah he's he's one of the Ooh, the most yeah. well-known researchers into psychedelics and has a lot of philosophical and scientific theories um one thing i also think is really cool about this theory is you know outside of all of the drug references and the you know how did humans become what they are I also just think it's so cool, the idea of panspermia, because uh, so we've been potentially discovering things that look like they might be life 
on uh, Jupiter and Saturn's moons. And right now, there's no telling where it came from. It's either life forms that most likely came from other, other places, just like how we got fungus on Earth, or it may even be life forms from Earth. Because every time a meteor hits our planet, we send, you know, just enormous gusts of life forms. And some of those life forms, like fungus and like, uh, I don't know if you've seen those adorable little um, tardigrade bears, space bears. You mean water bears? Yes, water bears. Yeah, they're they're (laughs) tiny little microscopic things that look like bears and they can survive in space. Yeah. Stuff like that has been observed flying as far as the moons of Jupiter and Saturn. Yeah. So even without meaning to, we may be terraforming Jupiter and Saturn or Mars. Water bears can survive anything. This this similar to fungus. Yeah. Yeah. These concepts remind me of the horror film Annihilation Uh, with Natalie Portman. Did y'all see that? No. Mm. What? You guys would love this movie. It's scary though. Yeah. Like I'm a crybaby, but like, dude, no, (laughs) it was scary. So I'll keep this brief. A meteor lands on earth and the meteor starts rapidly changing the environment where it lands. Yeah. And then like Natalie Natalie Portman and a team of scientists. (laughs) Natalie Portman. Have to go investigate and shit goes fucking south. Yeah. Like real fast. Sci-fi horror. (laughs) But the, the concept and the, the facts, which you're speaking of remind me of that film actually a lot. So you guys should make that your next project. It's it's scary though. Yeah, no, that sounds yeah. what you're describing sounds like an accelerated version of this theory of something crash landing here and yeah. you know, you're saying in, in that it rapidly terraforms things. In this, it's it's a matter of decades and eons and eons. Yeah, but you know, by some some models some types of fungus, their spores could completely cover every single planet or moon in a galaxy in 50 million years, which is a lot of years. That's true for you. But the models project that it's very easy over that much time for certain life forms to travel from planet to planet. And I, I love the idea that we might be consuming and, you know, philosophically and emotionally and mentally shaped by an alien species. Dear goodness, dear goodness. Fart. Whether we're consuming content created by our fellow man, whether they be an artist, a builder, or even literary, we're, we could even be consuming content <laughs> from people not even on this freaking planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And per Terrence McKenna, yeah. all of that ability to, to write and create and do creative things, all of that comes from the fact that we, as a species, started eating mushrooms and became like self-aware and able to Yo. conceive of ourselves as not just animals, but something bigger. Kind of, I kind of fucks with it, bro. Yeah, yeah. Big strawberry guess, milkshake. Guess what kind of guy I am? Shh, vanilla. Dude, how the fuck did he know? I don't know. Just anyways. Anyway, <laughs> today we bring you a nostalgia trip in a galaxy far away. Um, not <laughs> linear, linearly because you know they're pumping that it out every year and now at this point. But uh, we are we are going to talk about. The good old fashioned Star Star Wars. We're taking it back to the prequels, baby. Yep, that's right. You guessed it. We're talking young Darth Vader. We're talking Obi Wan as a young fella. We're talking Qui Gon Jinn, Yoda, when the Senate was a thing. Han Solo was not. Popular opinion. I think that the prequels were way better than we give them credit for. <laughs> right I've on. got my gripes. Don't get me wrong. Lots wow. of gripes. But bet. big bet. The hate, like the haters can 
Haters gonna hate. Fuck off. Haters gonna hate. But 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 you you I mean why 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 though I mean come on the only the only disagreement I have is that that Jar Jar should have been a Sith Lord. Yes, as as originally intended. <laughs> so that's your one your one beef with the Star pretty, Wars prequels. Yeah, there's there's some pretty uh, substantial evidence uh, yes. that points to it. And, oh. <laughs> and because Jar Jar, I mean, it's just, it would have been such a great reveal. And then George Lucas. Ca- it's like Shakespearean. Ca- yeah. He caved under popular opinion and, and, and people, and he rewrote the entire next two episodes. Uh, uh, so I think to, uh, to, mm-hmm. to fit the narrative, but yeah, all the shit that Jar Jar does in, in episode one is just like that, like 34 vertical leap into the water and stuff. And, and oh, yeah. Mitchell, you have phenomenal, phenomenal memory. Oh my God. He just, for no yeah. reason. Yeah. He just like leaps up, dives in the water. Oh, they never, do they ever explain why he's like exiled from the, the Gungans? They did not. Exactly. All of these plot points were going to be <laughs> addressed in episode two. Oh, shit. Yeah. They're just like, nah, Jar And then instead they're just like, he's a senator now. He's mm-hmm. stately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All he's of a sudden. He's a senator. Yeah. Uh, the guy with a speech impediment is now running half the galaxy, but whatever, you know, that was, that was part of the original plan. He was on some dark Jedi shit the whole time. Yeah. Son of a bitch. But yeah. I'm a, I'm so before we get too into things that we don't care for about the prequels, yeah. I'm curious to hear why Alex chose the prequels as his his overall pick of the week. For nostalgia. For nostalgia, yeah. This is a great pick because um, you know, film's not usually my department. But um what made me really think back was just uh, you know, this whole this whole I think back to our first meeting of just, you know, uh, me and me and you know, Mitchell just kind of broing down and getting like to like learn more about each other through the power of friendship. And we're just talking about like <laughs> late nineties, early two thousand stuff. Yeah. And like, you know, we were all talking about like episode nine coming out like months ago, and I remember like we were talking like you guys, I think we said you, you guys said like wouldn't pay like theater price to go see it even. Why? Well, and then I ended up seeing the last one twice <laughs> and it's all good. It's all good. But that's know? the one that we said, don't pay theater price. To oh, see. Right. yeah. yeah. Well, uh, you saw it twice out of familial yeah. obligation. Yeah. And we think that, okay. So yeah. So like Phantom Menace would have been yeah like 98, 99. So it's kind of been on this, on this little time hop of like between 98 to early two thousands, maybe peaking at, We've had Fight Club. We've had Boys Don't Cry. We've had, um, you know, just uh, Without a Paddle. I think it was 97. No, Without a Paddle was like 2003, maybe yeah. 2004. Grind was 2003. Well, I love this as a nostalgia pick because that, uh, that episode of Star Wars and then especially Attack of the Clones were kind of my first movies that I got really into. So I feel like this episode has been a great nostalgia trip for me because I got to talk about Linkin Park and also... The fact that Star Wars is like the first movie that I ever really got into. I, <laughs> dude, I like I wore my hair. Uh, I had like a little braid that I wore every you single day. Did not. I did. Yeah. So I could be a Padawan. And I went through a phase in the fourth grade where I made my mom do my hair in Princess Leia buns like every <laughs> single day before school. Most. Leia wasn't even in the original. In the, in in the, the prequels. prequels. Yeah. No, I know. But then I got really into the rest of the Star Wars universe. Uh, okay. All right. All right. I wanted to be a bounty hunter. You wanted to be Boba Fett, mm-hmm. Jango Fett. You wanted to be a Fett. I wanted to be a bounty hunter. You wanted to be a bounty hunter. 
Ooh. Yo, dude, freaking, yeah, man. It was like nothing but nonstop lightsaber fights. I remember being like in that age group and like literally like our parents, like they didn't let us have the freaking Walmart lightsabers anymore because it was just nonstop. Ow, ow, ow. <laughs> That's all they would hear 24 hours a day yeah. for like months at a time. Like you guys can't have the damn lightsabers anymore since y'all can't play nice. And I'm like, mom, why do you have a Texas accent? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gravy. But, um, you know, it's so, it's so funny because, you know, like, I feel like, uh, that was like our parents, our parents generation had the OG star Wars, which would have been like 1970, Mm -hmm. 75, 78. And then it's like, you know, um, we get to have the prequels and it's like, yeah, Darth Maul was badass. Yeah. Duel of the Fates. Yeah. Sick as fuck song. That's the move right there, dude. You freaking first, the dude already looks scary AF. And then you're gonna give him a freaking double bladed lightsaber, like yo, that's right? like that's some hard. Dude, my dad was shit. Darth Maul like three years in a row for Halloween. I want to meet that dad. You know, and actually, I think that that's why we all love Star Wars. So Can much I have his email address? Like, does he does he do email? Does he have Gmail? I'll, I'll hit you with his Gmail. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's why we all love Star Wars so much is because it's it's something that we had for our generation. Like we had a new iteration of it for us, but then our parents also loved it, so it was you know, a, a way that we could bond with our parents over media nice. that like normally we can't bond with our parents like that over media. Yeah. Like, true statement, true statement and a great observation. It's kind of like a, like a virtual, you know, like torch passing almost, you know right. what I mean? Yeah. And these films are critically panned. These, I, I pan all three of them to fucking shit. Okay. I love, I like revenge of the Sith for reasons, but people, mm-hmm. I remember going to see attack of the clones, even as a young kid being like, oh, that shit kind of wasn't that good. Yeah. It's like, man, but seeing Phantom Menace, like, it was entertaining. There is some CG. It's a little known, I mean, I guess well-known fact now. Apparently, George Lucas spent most of the directing for these movies. Just He just sat on a couch, actually. Yeah. <laughs> he just wanted really? the, And if you look at all the dialogue scenes for these Star Wars prequels, a lot of, like, the dialogue scenes between characters where the character building happens, they're usually either walking slowly down a hallway. Yeah. <laughs> or they're sitting on a comfortable couch. Right. <laughs> So that, that was intentionally George Lucas <laughs> just being like, all right, now they're going to become, yeah, you know, uh, they're going to be sitting in a room on an, in a bunch of recliners and they're going to be like this, you know, yeah, we're going to grant you a seat, but uh, not the rank of master. Sorry. That about scene was it. just based on one time when one of George Lucas's friends walked into the room and everybody was sitting on all the available sitting surfaces and he was like, you can hang out with us but I don't grant you a seat on the cam- council. Weird. It's all autobiographical. And that's when Lucasfilm is full-blown. I mean, and we all know that, you know, George Lucas has always been a great businessman because those mm. Star Wars toys have just been bonkers since yeah. back in the day. Yeah. And then you bring it to the whole, like, big movies like this nowadays. Would you, Mitchell, you would agree, a big big movies like this, they're like a business now. Oh, they've been a bi- business. Mm-hmm. For yeah. a long time now. Yeah. Do you feel like a lot of, like, the artistic qualities kind of get lost? <laughs> In the process. Absolutely, yeah. The uh, the entire uh, prequel series is basically just a nostalgia grab. I mean, like, they're like, more Jedi! Yes, more battles! Mm-hmm. More more Sith Lord powers! You know? <laughs> oh, you more, liked that with the fighty swords? Yeah, more droids! You know, uh, what is it, Emperor Dooku? They're just like, you know, it'd be fucking <laughs> super dope if he was a Sith Lord, but he was a droid. I love it. But wait. <laughs> grievous, but yeah. wait. Yeah, Grievous, Grievous, yeah. But wait. 
He has four arms. No! Yo, that shit was sick, what? though. Okay. He's got four. Yeah, and then he'll do this thing, like, basically like a fan, just bing, 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 bing. 12-year-old Alex was yeah. sold, like, yo, I want that fucking toy now. Yeah. Oh, right. Dude, my favorite thing is Star Wars always recycles lines. So, like, Ew. favorite things that your character said in the, like, original trilogy, like the OG ones, they'll say again in these ones. So, like, Obi-Wan being like, hello there. First episode, he meets Luke. Luke stumbles into his camp, and he's just like, hello there. And then the famous General Grievous scene, he drops down, and he's like, hello there. General uh, Grievous is like, General Kenobi. I did not Ew. know that, but that is cool. Oh, yeah. No, that's like one thing that the, the prequels do a bunch is to kind of play on your nostalgia. You and McGregor is, is, is Prince Daddy. You and yeah. McGregor is Jedi Prince Daddy. Yes. Like yeah. we, we, what was that theory you, you told me about? About like it was something like maybe like the love interest wasn't really into Anakin, but it was really just like that must have been them. Oh, that's my favorite theory. That's so, not me. So one of my favorite theories <laughs> is that so Emperor Palpatine because one thing that's always bothered me about the prequels is why is Padme with Anakin? Because <laughs> there's so just so so many reasons for her not. <laughs> Primarily the fact that she continually tells him, like, hey, stop looking at me like this. Stop trying to touch me. Stop doing this and that. It makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't like this. It's entirely a movie about workplace sexual harassment. Oh, my God. And yet for some reason she, of her own volition, decides to marry him. And so... My thinking is that Anakin, because he's so strong in the force, he was reverse grooming her. Well, I think <laughs> I think he was grooming her, but pretty unwittingly. Boom, I think that he boom, was basically boom, because boom. he had such high force capabilities. I think that he was using the Jedi mind trick on her almost constantly, without himself even realizing it to convince her that uh, yeah, to convince her that a love was there that wasn't. Uh, and then a side, kind of a side note a, on that, that is, a is bold claim. Oh, so you think that this high-powered former queen, current senator, would definitely fall in love with some dude she met five years ago when he was like nine? No, but I also don't think that you ever see him waving his hand, his hand going around. You know, y you do love me. Okay, but in episode one, we learn that <laughs> the he force has, is an intentional thing, though. But we learn that he has so many fucking midichlorians, whatever that is. That he's just oh, off the shit, charts, about yeah. stronger than Yoda. It's just his power he's level. He's the strongest. <laughs> and, and if you know anything about power level, power levels are bullshit. But he's allegedly the strongest force user that ever lived. Right. And there are instances, Anakin if you read Skywalker? the books, there are instances, yeah, oh, midichlorians off the charts. No one knows what that means. That's one of the great flaws of the prequels, in my I wish, opinion. I wish my serotonin could be like that. God damn it. <laughs> 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 but he wasn't brainwashing her. I don't think he was deliberately doing so. I think that he genuinely loved her you and had such strong power. You think he's that smart? No, I don't think it was deliberate. I think that he wanted so badly for her to love him back, and his power was so beyond his grasp that he didn't realize he was doing this. Yeah, but and that's he... <laughs> the thing with young Jedi is, or young young Force users is they will have things happen, like in Harry Potter, where you're like. He releases a fucking snake, right? And right. he's like, "What? I didn't do that." And it's like, "Yeah, you did." Right. There's a lot of things like that with, that with Force users. With Ewan yeah. uh, McGregor and uh, Harry Potter when he's like, you're a Jedi, Harry. And he's, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm a what? Uh, wait, he's in both franchises? Am I tripping balls? <laughs> no, now? he's not. Did no. you sneak me the mushrooms into my beer this whole time? <laughs> Space shrooms. Oh, yeah. Tune in next it week to find out what happens to Alex. <laughs> oh, my god. It's uh, one of those mandala effects. It's not actually Hagrid. It's Ewan McGregor playing Hagrid, and we just have all completely thought the wrong thing this entire time. Whoa. 
One of my favorite things about you and two is, I don't know if I had mentioned this, the day that he got casted to play young Obi-Wan in these prequels, dude dude was already a stud in British cinema. Mm -hmm. Right. You know who his fucking neighbor was? No. Okay, everyone knows Oasis, right? The band Oasis? Mm -hmm. No. It was one of the Gallagher. I, mean, I love them. It was Liam Gallagher was his fucking like neighbor or Wait, like roommate. Liam Gallagher from the show Shameless. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> sim same, same fucking name actually. Now there's there's Noel and Liam and they're famous fighting brothers. Okay, that were both the songwriters for the Britpop band Oasis. Right now, yeah, okay. So his name, his yeah. real name is that, and he's in Oasis. And this is fact, and, man. Okay, and so he's at the time, right? Yeah, yeah. So like, dude, they wrote Wonderwall and like <laughs> Champagne Supernova. Yeah. Like, you know, if we're on the nostalgia kick, and that's freaking crazy. So to celebrate what they did was they drank a shit ton of like booze and they just hit each other with lightsabers all afternoon. Uh -huh. Yeah. And that's how they celebrated. Dude, one of the best things about Obi-Wan in the prequels is that or you McGregor in the prequels is during all of the lightsaber battle scenes. So they've got like a green screen I was behind just them. Say this. Oh, I'm so sorry I jacked it, but I'm telling it now. But he, they've got the green screen behind them and everything and they're doing the battles and uh, Ewan McGregor keeps like every time he swings, he's like, zoom, zoom, zoom. Yeah. And they're like, Ewan, you don't have to do that. I promise we're going to add that sound effect in later. That's that's part of what we do later. Stop it. He's like, I know. I just got so excited. Yeah. The hype was real. Yeah. He had the force flowing through his veins just <laughs> as much as the fucking hype train. Yeah. This is lit. We need to cover the island. Uh, next next show. All right. Ooh, we're we're committing okay. to the island. We're gonna watch that. Cool. I said I literally said this like three times now. But anyways, Yo. Star Wars Episode One. Ewan McGregor steals the show. Ugh, Jar Jar Binks. Yeah. Hayden Christensen's Christensen's career ruined. Yeah. I was gonna say let's let's not uh, let's not you know blow past uh, Qui Gon because come on now like that anyone who's in it like he is the one who basically catapulted the entire idea. Of, of Anakin being anything, which is the whole premise of the whole fucking show. Yeah, and then apparently he's, fucking what literary. we find out in the last couple episodes is that he's apparently the one who figured out how to have Jedi cross back from the land of, or from being dead. That was Qui-Gon? Yeah. Wait, I never heard that. What? Well, I, I don't know why you were there in the theater with me. What do you mean? Explain. Oh, you mean because yeah, it comes no, back? Yeah, no, they, so, uh, oh, oh you okay. know what? Actually, we didn't see this one together. It was yeah. the, the second one, the, uh, the Rise of Skywalker, I think. Uh, the second one of the recent ones. But uh, the at one point when uh, Luke is burning down all of the old Jedi scrolls, Yoda shows up and he's like, hey, got a buddy for you. He yeah. wants to talk to you and it's Qui-Gon. Right. And well, that was, explain the, that, that was in the old ones though too though. I might be mixing up my. I was gonna my say yeah. In the well, being a force ghost, I, I might yeah. have fucked up. In my the lore. original, Yoda sure. comes back when Yoda, because you know Yoda gets fucking sick of Luke's questions and is just like, you know what, I'm dead now. Stafu, <laughs> new. Yeah, yeah. He, I, that, I think that's my favorite meme ever. It's just like when when you're uh, when you've been quarantined and your kids just ask you questions, you finally understand why Yoda just up and dies when Luke keeps <laughs> fucking asking questions. <laughs> <laughs> it's the greatest meme. It all makes I sense. Didn't see that. Oh, it's I mean, it's just like, and it's just Yoda's face as his eyes roll back of his head. And he's just like, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and yeah, and so yeah, and that uh, in that one, uh, it uh, Obi Wan and Yoda show up at the end of the movie in that blue hologram, mm -hmm. and they're just like, "Way to go, Luke! Good job for the Jedi." 
Wah, you know, and uh, yeah, that was the first time the uh, brought back from the dead. It was Yoda and oh, Obi Wan, and then yeah, they yeah, there were Force Ghosts. There was the crowd. They were just chilling. But literally speaking, yeah. like Qui Gon doing that in the prequels would have been the first time to do it. But and I'm remembering now that it's at the end of the third episode, so Revenge of the Sith. Right. It's at uh, which Padme's, still be before. Yeah, it's yeah. at Padme's funeral. So that Obi- Yoda comes up and he's like, "Whoa, Obi Wan! Oh, Obi Wan wants to speak to you. Okay. He's come back from the grave." In the third one? Yeah, in Revenge of the Sith, at the very end, they're at Padme's funeral, and Yoda comes up to Obi Wan and he's like, "Hey, an old friend of ours figured out how to talk to us from the grave. Guess what? It's Qui Gon." So that's how they kind of explain. Oh. What's the his name again? What's his real name again? Uh, the, the Liam, t- Neeson. Liam Neeson. So Liam Neeson at He's the end of episode. Of skills. Yeah. He's got a set of skills. He will come back from the dead. He will talk to you. First, and then like, Word. he just, he just like, I remember like just seeing these movies and like, you know, as a kid, you get this experience, but then like uh, rewatching it as adults, it's kind of like watching a cartoon like Goosebumps or not cartoon, that was live action, forgive me, but yeah. Are you afraid or of the dark? Or are you afraid of the dark? Do you have like a favorite, uh, Mitchell, do you have like a favorite like like childhood memory of like like Star Wars or anything or even from like college? Definitely. Uh, yeah, yeah, dude. Uh, my favorite things and, and this will tie into if we ever talk about the Matrix, but I remember sitting in the cafeteria Word. in middle school, which is like here is, you know, sixth or eighth grade. Uh, and and collecting the Star Wars Mountain Dew cans, mm-hmm. and you know, they oh had, they, shit, yeah, dude, they had uh, Darth Maul, and I remember collecting all of them. <laughs> uh, same with the Matrix. So Matrix did Powerade, I think, and they had the Matrix Green Powerade bottle. But oh. during the same time, Matrix Reloaded came out as the Star Wars prequels, and I remember having the Mountain Dew Star Wars cans and the Matrix Reloaded, yeah. uh, like l- super lime green. Or or Matrix Green Powerade bottle, which slapped. By the way, that was one of the best Powerades ever to touch my lips. That was some good shit. But yo, but yeah, the 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 marketing campaign for Mountain Dew was uh was off the chart. Or Pepsi, it might have been Pepsi slash Mountain Dew. Word word, yo man. <laughs> That's what I remember. Yeah, they're just collectibles. My favorite Star Wars memory from this this era would be like I think back in college. This was like the summer we all got into smoking weed and like that dank herb back when you Did know. You say like, in college? Yeah, I didn't start smoking the weed stuff till no, college. No, no. How is how is how am I in middle school? And how are you in oh, college? Oh, my bad. My, my, my nostalgia trip was much, much, much less in years than yours quantity wise. I apologize. What? I'm just mm-hmm. talking about from like a timeline. How's that? Uh, number one, I'm older than you. So by number two. A year. By, yes, two. but still, how are you in college? That is a full how six How were you plus in college years. Okay. when Mitchell was so, in when, when the prequels no, were no, still no, coming no, out. No, no, okay. Okay, so I've. I've mis- I've been mistaken in, in presenting my memory. <laughs> it's what? it's it's kind of like we're both on we're both in the same star system, but you're just on like one freeway and I'm in a different freeway, bro. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt this. You know <laughs> no, what? No, you're I'm fine. sorry. You're fine. This could have been totally relevant. I was just like that's a lot of time between A and B to to be on the same nostalgia <laughs> trip. But uh yeah, go ahead. Okay, so no, 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 you're, you're somewhere fine. in college. Oh my goodness gracious. And Star Wars prequels are involved. I promise it's like it's like I'm I'm in the outer rim and then you're in the inner rim of, of the galaxy. But I'll 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 connect I'll connect the okay, the, the constellation right. for I didn't, you. Okay, I'm sorry. I was it's, rude. I was rude to me. Nah, dude, it's Gucci, bro. But we were talking and I remember like we got <laughs> we got Hella Stone. We're like, bro, let's let's like watch the Star Wars prequels. And I'm like, 
why the fucks would we do that? He's uh, like, well, dude, because we're disenfranchised millennials, millennials, and all we do is get off on nostalgia stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> Oof. okay, whoa, cool, all right. unnesessary call out, but okay. <laughs> this is my, my my friend's sense of humor is was was morose yet very very entertaining for the most part. But I remember like our buddy Will was like a junior toker, and like this was kind of like. He was at his like toking phase where like if he whitewalled a bong, he'd probably like just like die or some shit and like we'd never see his ass. But what anyways, is white, what is whitewalling? Whitewalling is like you get like a fat ass water pipe and then like you would just. You mean a bong? Yeah, a B-O-N-G. <laughs> okay. I, just, yeah. I haven't heard the word water. We live water. in Oregon. You're allowed to say, say bong here. Yeah, water pipe was a term I haven't heard since weed was illegal back at uh, T-Zone. You can tell I'm a Nevadan. <laughs> uh, yeah, I need it's a- It's legal in your state also. Yeah, I need a water pipe, sir, for my tobacco products, and I'd like to filter it through water if possible. Hey. <laughs> right, this way, sir. Let me check your ID. Come through the uh, the beaded curtains to your destination. <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a goofy. <laughs> okay, okay. So, but literally, so like we were just watching, like, so like they would play. Like, I remember Lean was talking about like the Duel of the Fates with like John, you know, the music mm-hmm. and stuff, right? And I just remember like every time that would come on, I, w- I had to give like the verbal version of it. So like he was in the <laughs> middle of like a white wall bong rip. Okay, and as soon and while he's doing that, I'm just like they're going at it with the damn lightsabers. It's like the fucking lightsaber fight to end all fucking lightsaber fights. Literally. And yeah. just like, he starts laughing so bad. <laughs> just all the smoke just shoots. Yeah. <laughs> and then he had to get up and like run to the bathroom. Oh, no. And just starts just, yep. Just starts yakking. Oof. And then he stops yakking for a while. Yakking the force out. He stops for a while. He, and then he starts laughing hardcore. <laughs> just starts laughing. And it goes right back to the, Oh, just man. <laughs> Oh, oh my goodness! Not rest, always rest be, in peace, sir. R.I.P. Homie, yeah, and that'll dude. always be my favorite Star Wars memory. To wrap up our segment for nostalgia trip, <laughs> uh, uh, Lean, will you do us the honors? What was your favorite Star Wars? Uh, you know, whether it be nostalgia moment, nostalgic, whether it be from any era of Star Wars. Ooh, I think my my so my favorite thing about Star Wars. I think is how much my family has bonded over it all. Like I mentioned that my dad was Darth- Oh yeah, this is going to be some <laughs> sappy shit. Wow. The Halloween, Halloween stud, killing it. I yeah, know no, my dad- He's in college getting stoned and you're going to fucking bring your family into this and be like, <laughs> we found each other. We bonded over, over this. Like, wow. Okay, well, my brother and I like to smoke weed and watch the same Star Wars that there we There you loved. go. You should have led with that. <laughs> but Get yeah, it. no, we uh, we were a guy. family of Star Wars and Star Wars stoners, bro. Yeah, like my brother, he's uh he's seven years younger than me, and now we're we're super Gucci homies. But growing up, we didn't get along very well at all. Sounds like me and my brother. <laughs> but we fucking loved Star Wars. And I Ew. remember like one moment that I remember of my brother and I, I won't say his name because I specifically right. don't want to embarrass him. You have more than one now. brother, right? Yeah. But right. So it could be either or at this point. Mom, dad, you'll never know. But my brother, when we went to go see the third Star Wars, the one where Amidala dies, Ooh. my brother wept, like wept. Just, just wept like he was completely bereft because he just like was so sad about it. And I remember being just an, just old enough that I didn't cry, even though I was super sad. But that moment has always stuck with me. And, you know, Ely and I will, uh, shit, uh, <laughs> that's a pseudonym, but we will, you know, we'll, we'll Almost argue about Star it Wars. If it wasn't for you pesky kids and your damn name dropping. <laughs> but we'll argue about Star Wars. Like 
for like an hour at a time, but like good natured. And it's just, it's something that all my family is well versed in. And so I, I fucking love all of my Star Wars memories from when I was a kid. Hell yeah. So what I'm pulling from this is that me and Alex suck and we're just basically degenerates with, you know, zero. Just a couple of yeah. DGENs. We don't have any wholesome memories of our families and shit. We were <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> my best memories of a Mountain Dew bottle. How about you? Oh, you know, my buddy was chunking his brains out <laughs> while fucking stoned off his gourd. Celine, yo, you know, me and my family came closer together over this. So This is how I healed my relationship with my brother. Yeah, you know, that's the recap of the nostalgia 90s period and uh, we want to thank you guys for listening to this uh probably our favorite this is my favorite this is my favorite honestly portion next to unpopular opinion which i think we've covered and we're just gonna bereave ourselves through because that was a word that was used That's earlier rock and rock That's and roll my guys no, no whether it's i know it's not what it means but you know they don't know that so <laughs> no. but now they told them Okay. Whether it's the power of the force or the power of your <laughs> memories and your families and your memories and your friendship. Thank you so much for enjoying another nostalgia trip with us. Tune in every week as we talk about our favorite films. Wait, we're not done yet. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not putting the nail in this coffin yet. You know what's left. You know what's left. It's, uh, yes. Yeah, you have a beer open? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have a beer? What are you drinking? Uh, well, I mean, I have, I've got, I mean, a couple I, of beers. I know the move. I know the power play this week. The power play this but week. Do you have, do you have the playbook though? What's your playbook? What do you mean? I mean, this is not, I'm not good at this. I mean, I just drink beer. I don't know anything about it. We're going to talk to you this week coming at you from Ecliptic Brewing. That's their name. When you think of vibrant colors, when you think of something summery, I always think of like Miami Vice, like super, super like hot pink, blue, yeah. mm-hmm. like the neon. original. Or the remake. Ayo, we're talking OG Or the status. movie. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that happened. Yeah, <laughs> everyone wants to forget that happened. <laughs> Ayo. When it comes to the bright colors of summer and enjoying a beer that is relaxing, but slightly has a dangerous side. Like maybe, you know, on a certain night you think they're probably tame or fun, but then you get some nights, you know, Hey, they, they freaking they're, they're about to turn the fuck up. It's like, you better bring your dancing shoes. Like it's freaking, you know, yeah, you freaking, you know, it's like you trying to, you trying to turn up with John Travolta. Or are you trying to turn up with like, let's be real, man. If there's, if there's, if there's anyone I want to drink a flamingo planet with, it's actually, I want to drink it with the lead singer of The Killers because his album is called Flamingo. Yeah. And that's the first thing I freaking thought of was Brandon Flowers. Well, good and, luck. I think he's Mormon. Oh, well, that's, you know, we can, we can, you know, they, if it's you great. can convert two, you can be converted This is back. Facts. So, and this is literally, that facts. means there's hope. And this has also been confirmed that he is the most talented Mormon now. This is official. <laughs> You're list- you've heard it here first. <laughs> Subjectively speaking, of course, but Ecliptic Brewing put out a beer called Flamingo Planet, and it's a guava blonde ale. It is the seasonal this year from Ecliptic. And it's just, it's just got, you know, it just reminds me of my hometown, Las Vegas, because it's just, it slaps you with the neon green. Yeah. It's got the the glitz and the glam that reminds you of the Las Vegas strip. Yeah. And then, you know, just Flamingo, Flamingo Road, of course, you know, anyone who's, who's been a, a visitor or just a traveler or, or just someone. that hotel downtown it, that literally, uh, what is the, what's it called? It's yeah. the Flamingo. It's literally the Flamingo. And that dude. Is, yeah. And in, in Las Vegas, the coolest oh. hotel, mm-hmm. it's not the fanciest, but it's got the best gambling in the, it's Margaritaville. Most the flamingo has, the, and they have yeah, a, Margaritaville. Oof, their swimming pool though is oof. They got, they have a pretty Gucci swimming pool, and like seriously, if you ever visit, check it out. Um, I would always joke with our co-host here, Celine, like yo, like this 
this beer right here, this beer can right here, this is like our spirit animal. <laughs> just like super, it's just exciting. It's fun. It's glam. Um, the, the you flavor, said before you want a logo or you want a t-shirt of the logo. I want a freaking tank top of this beer as much as I, I we all know that, you know, I, I have such an attention to, to style and personality, whether it be, you know, physical or otherwise. I just really like that they brought these colors together. This beer is at an alcohol ABV, yeah, about 5.5, yeah. clocking in at 12 fluid ounces. Which is about 355 millimeters, Dad, if you're listening. Easy drinking, blonde ale brewed with guava, lightly hopped with Amarillo and Cristal. There you go. And there you have it. I forgot that guava was a fruit, actually. Apparently, according to sources listed in this actual room, (laughs) it is real fruit. Also... I just peeled the label off because I was looking at it, and they've got this dope secret logo oh, it's so under pretty. like some space. There's some space fucking. This is some Illuminati Ooh. alien. Like that looks like that's a map to to some uh, far distant galaxy planet where Hold intelligent life has just given us the map. Said, "Hey, come find us." Under, underneath this label. That can is embedded with mushroom spores. Yeah, exactly. Either this is, either this is, either I have been secretly slipped the mushrooms by my co-hosts here, or this is in fact a marketing ploy, or maybe, you know, if you collect the cans, it leads you to a solar system where you can get high with but, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. I'm telling you, that's weird. Like, I've never seen a beer with a printed label on the on the front that before. That is really weird. And, and, then, and then on top of that, they have some secret spacey, Solaristic logo this is behind freaking it. cool. Yeah. Mitchell, yeah. Mitchell, you just made my wing. This is freaking great. Not only is the beer enjoyable, not only is the can artwork enjoyable, but the, the journey to find the secrets <laughs> about our solar system. How national treasure of them. Have brought <laughs> this episode to one big full I'm circle. Steal the label off a can of beer. <laughs> yeah. With the joys of summer, whether it be sweating in the hot sun, camping with your best bros and ladies, or putting your balls into a refreshing, very, very cold... Ice bowl. Detroit Lake River. Oh, there you go. Same thing. I give the ecliptic brewing Flamingo Planet four right-angled legs from an aviary creature out of five. They used to be raptors, apparently. Okay. All right. Velociraptors, folks, you heard it here first. Before we wrap up our show tonight, we do need to have one more full circle happen. Um, we talked earlier about concerts and music we like. Um, we don't do a lot of stuff like this on the show, actually. And then uh, this is my, actually my trump card. Um, saying thank you um, is something I'm really big on, and I've always been... It's true. He loves to be grateful for it's things. True. It's so weird. It's just a thing I am. I'm very sentimental. My love language is expressed usually through verbal affirmations or gift-giving. Um, whether, you know, we talk about music, maybe, you know, what what's important to one person may or may not be important to the other. When you talk about things that are your favorite, one thing I know for a fact is uh, I, I know Mitchell's favorite band, and that's why I got something in the grab bag this week. No. There's something in the grab bag this no. week. I swear no. to God, it's you it, did. There's something here in my bag that I have. It's true. I you am, heard it here first. There's totally something in there. I'm not about this. I don't like surprises. Oh, after, uh, Mitchell was kind enough to really help me out in a, at a time between jobs and just help help me come up clutch. So I want to just uh, treat what? just treat Mitchell to this this thing I got for dude. This is for you, bro. Thank you so much. All my love and respect. And friendship, dude. I promise it's not over the top or overly crazy. Uh, crack that thing open, man. There's a thing in there for you. I Yo, don't approve of this. Dude, dude, you're going to love it, man. You're going to love this bit. What's in the box? What's in the box? 
It's a token of my appreciation of your friendship and your kindness. Mitchell, thank you for being a good brother, an amazing co-host and founder, and I really hope you enjoy the t-shirt, man, dude. I'm not good at gifts. Just going to say that. This is really fucking cool, though. This is also a milestone. We know for a fact that now Mitchell Herring owns at least six t-shirts. Yeah. That's well, yeah. <laughs> this, this gets it to seven. I'm going to put this on my wall. I'm hey, gonna, every single day of the week. No, I don't have any Gojira like memorabilia and I wear the shit out of my one shirt and it's like, it's starting to fade and it's showing it's looking like an old concert t-shirt. Cause I wear it literally like three times a week. Uh, Dude, please do whatever you want with no, me. I'm, just, glad. Yeah. I'm glad I'm going to put the, I only have one thing on my wall, one thing. And it's a great awakening poster. Look it up. That shit will fuck your day up. There's so there's literally like two, 200 to 500 things about like spiritual awakening um yeah this poster's fucked me up i got it uh i saw it when i was getting my tattoo done and uh it's this giant thing it's got ai it's got reptilians it's got like uh the secret space program it's got illuminati it's got all the conspiracy things in one poster and in the post if you just google great awakening poster you will find it and it will Fuck you! Fuck you up, dude. It's so. Doesn't crazy. have all the conspiracies. It has Does like, not cover the fact that birds aren't real. It's got the ones that matter. <laughs> it's not got. It's it's got. Wow. Anyway, yeah, it's got like shadow government. It's got like dude. There's stuff on it I've never even heard of. And I went so hard in 2010 to 2014 on conspiracies. Like I would spend up late nights watching videos before YouTube and before the internet was like, you know, get, you know, you like people just like, I saw videos like this. You couldn't find this stuff unless you went looking for it back, back these, you know, 2010 to 14. It was like internet was a thing, but MySpace was still around. So it wasn't that new, but yeah. You had to read between the lines to find that stuff out. Yeah. But this stuff, you mean. yeah, this poster has things I've never even heard of. Like one of the things on it is like AI, like it, like, like a, like a extraterrestrial AI. Like that's how it's described is, is that it's, it's on like the far left side of the corner of this poster. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's the kind of thing that I put on my wall is, is that one poster that has shit I've never heard of and this t-shirt. So I thank you. Thank you for, for being the fucking man and accepting this. It's, it's like I said, man, you know, like growing up, I was a really spoiled ass kid. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm getting older now. I don't got no kids. So I, I, I just want to take care of my friends. And that's, that's the best way I can just express my love and my gratitude. I really hope you rep the shirt. It was going to be either that or I was going to get the, the other, like the Alex party, like the whale artwork. But I was going to, instead of saying Gojira, it was just going to be the same exact shirt. But instead of Gojira, it was going to say the March and Mitch show. <laughs> and the same. Fun. Well, then I would have to wear that because, you know, marketing at that point, you can't waste marketing materials like that. Most definitely. We'll definitely have to make shirts and stuff and yeah. like, you know, get people we know to wear them. But with that being said, I think that uh, pretty much concludes our our journey. Each show is a journey. We each provide a step in the direction, which is the show. March and Mitch, take us away, sir. It's been a pleasure, whether it's the power of space, learning about mushrooms from outside of our own realm, inheriting things, whether it be memories, music, friendship. Gratitude can be expressed and given, <laughs> and the knowledge and the memories here expressed tonight, I hope you guys hold dear and important. 
Thank you so much for joining us. Give it up for Celine Stannis Pond, Mitchell Herring, and myself, Alex. We'll see you next week. Do 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 do. Bum 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 bum.